And welcome to Reyma Huvim. This is Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, MS Marriage and Family Therapy. I'm so happy you're joining me. Waited. We had a little problem. I, I hope the problem is fixed. I know we had a problem with the stream. He was working on it, and I hope the stream is back on. We are a little bit late. We apologize. For those of you who are new listeners, here is what we do. Wow, Hanukkah is like in the air. Do you feel Hanukkah? It's like in the air. Everyone's talking about Hanukkah. In any case, what we're doing is we are trying to give you skills and tools to empower your marriage. This doesn't make a difference if you have a good marriage, you don't have such a good marriage. You, you're, I, I'm telling you, your marriage can get to a higher level. There's always a higher level. And today, actually, we're going to be talking about a very high level that we are going to try to, to to get to get to a certain level of a marriage of of skills that I talk about a lot. I don't really focus on it, and I'm I'm gonna focus on it today. So I will tell you right now, if you're listening to today's show, it might not be for you. <laughs> what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that is that I'm talking about skills that may or may not not apply. It's definitely gonna apply to you, but I don't know if you'll be able to reach these skills. And listening to me, you're going to say, what do you mean? I could do this. It's not a problem. You're making things seem so hard. I am telling you, when push comes to, to shove and when the impasse hits, you're going to see the skills and tools that we're going to talk about a little bit later today are things that might be unachievable in your relationship. I'm very serious. Unachievable. And I'm going to mention this later. I'll mention this right now, that if you are listening to today's show and you're going to take today's show as, well, why doesn't my husband do this? Or why doesn't my wife do this? Then you really shouldn't be listening. Today's show is an exceptional show. We're going to be talking about a lot of skills and tools that I've talked about in the past, but we're also going to be introducing some new skills and tools which are really for high-level marriages or even if not for high-level marriages, for high-level individuals who want to achieve great heights in their marriage. And I don't want anybody to utilize it, use today's show and say, well, you know what? Listen to Rabbi Greenfield. This is what he was talking about. Because that's not, many times you could theoretically say that. I think you should say that to your spouse. But today's show, that's not today's aim. Okay, I want to start. We have a lot to talk about. Um, we apologize for the lateness. We did have a problem here with the stream. I think it's fixed. I hope it's fixed. If you're not hearing me, then I guess you'll hear me Monday night or maybe on the uh, on the archive. But I want to start like this today. So there's so much to talk about. But let's just let's just jump into this week's parsha. Okay, Rachel. What first of all we have to understand something very important, and that is, Chazal tells me, okay, listen, we don't really understand Yaakov Avinu. We're never going to understand the Avos. These are people who are in such high levels. Whatever I'm going to say right now, you have to take with a grain of salt because we really can't relate to their tests. These are people who were com completely, like, they, they were swimming with Amuna and Betachon. They, they, their whole lives was permeated with Kedusha. So when Chazal tells us, and Chazal does tell us that what? Yaakov Avinu, in a certain sense, He's gone through a lot. I mean, let's face it. Yaakov Avinu, he did not have an easy life. He just, his whole life was a constant like battle with Esav, how Esav like, literally stole the Bechor from him originally. And then, as if to say, Yaakov stole it back. But he was really the one who was supposed to get the Bechor. 
And he had to risk his life again and again and again. He first did it with, you know, his mother asked him to steal the brachos from Esau, who was literally a murderer, so he had to steal the brachos. Then later on in his life, you know, he leaves. He knows that Esau is running after him. He goes to Lavan's house. He's dealing with a crook, a shyster, and he's got this really hard life. The woman who he loved, he loved both, but Rachel Imenu, what happens? She dies in childbirth, and he's hit with one challenge after another challenge after another challenge Yaakov you know, just wants as if to say to relax not really relax but like just focus on Avodas Hashem learning Torah whatever he was going to do to connect to Kaddish Baruch Hu, probably learn Torah so here you have this parsha, and it's like he Yaakov you know, okay take a step back and just connect to Hashem but what Chazal tell us is that and again, this is Yaakov's new level. You and I are not going to be able to relate to this. But he should have realized that Olam Haza is about challenges. It's not about just you know taking a step back, relaxing on the easy chair, opening up a Gemara, and just learning Taisvis. Now again, talking about Yaakov, you know, we don't understand his challenge. But for us, for us to understand that it's not a good attitude to say like, okay, just want to relax. I'm not saying that you shouldn't want to relax, but especially in your marriage, to be like, okay, my husband, why, why do I have to like deal with all his challenges? Here he comes again, I, I, and I hear this from many couples, um, healthy relationships, but not healthy relationships, where couples are not excited to see their husband. Do you hear this? Not excited to see their husband, not excited to see their wife. It's like... Here we go again. So it'd be such a challenge. I don't know what he's going to be upset about today. I don't know what she's going to be upset about today. I can never make her happy. I'm not saying this always happens, but this can happen in the healthiest of marriage on a, on a bad week or two, let's say. And it's like, oh, come on. And for us to remember, this is Olam Hazad. This is the world of Asiya. We are here to connect to Hashem. You know how you do it? You could do it in your marriage on a daily basis. I'm serious. You could do this in your marriage on a daily basis. Let's talk about Yaakov Avinu again. Yaakov Avinu went through so much. Think about it. Besides him having to like fool, in a certain sense, his father that he's Esau, risking his life, running away, dealing with Eliphaz, dealing with Lavan, his, 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 his wife that he wanted was switched with Leah. Okay, so now he has, now he has Leah and he has Rachel. He loves both of them. But Rachel, who was very dear to him, he loses Rachel. He loses her in childbirth. So here you have another tragedy. Does he question Hashem? Does Yaakov Avinu question HaKadosh Baruch Hu? No. Last week we had this whole story with Dina. His daughter gets abducted. Terrible things happen to, happen to her. Does he question Hashem? No, he doesn't question Hashem. He just keeps on, keeps on, keeps on trucking, as they say. And, and his life is full of challenges, full of challenges. So this week, Vayeshev, what happens is he just sort of like wants to, you know, like, okay, just that's it. I want to relax a little. Relax, but he wants to just, you know, focus on serving a Kaddish Baruch Hu without all these problems. And guess what happens? It's sort of a taina on him. No, life is full of challenges. And what happens? Again, we can't relate to this, but what happens? What happens is his, his son Yosef, his son Yosef that comes from his wife Rachel, who died. So this is connection to Rachel. And here we go. As far as he's concerned, you know what happens to Yosef? Yosef was killed. Yosef was killed. Now, at this point, do you not think Yaakov should question Hashem? Shouldn't he like take Hashem? Like, seriously, why are you doing this to me? Not a, not a word, not a peep from Yaakov. Nothing. He doesn't question Hashem. He just goes on. 
he just goes on, and this is who Yaakov Avinu is. This is, this is who the Avos were. This is what we're trying to connect to. And I'm telling you this in terms of your marriage. Just like constant challenges. Constant challenges. I, I, I want to... I wanna, I'm not saying your marriage is horrible. Chas v'shalom. You have amazing, amazing marriage. But those challenges are not going away. Challenges are part and parcel of your marriage. That's what it is. That's what Olam Haza is. I want you to focus just for a second on Binyamin. Binyamin, Binyamin was, was, was the other son of, of Rachel Imenu. Okay? Now, Binyamin, in a certain sense, he, he wasn't involved with this whole, this whole plan against Yosef, you know, to, to kill Yosef and then to sell Yosef. He wasn't involved. Did he know about Chazal tells us he did know about this, but he didn't say a word to his father. Binyamin actually, Chazal tells us, Binyamin had like a perfect, perfect life in the sense of he was a perfect person. He did everything right. He was one of those people. There weren't, I think the other one was Yishai. There were a couple of other pe- people in the world who like literally everything they did was right. Binyamin was one of them. He didn't say a word. He could have gone to his father. He could have said to his father everything, but he did not tell his father. He watched himself. And you know what's interesting what happens? You know, at, at the end of the whole story with Yosef, and I don't have to tell you this. St- okay, but those, I know I have all sorts of listeners out there, but I'm going to assume you know the story of Yosef, okay? I'm going to assume this for a second. Let's just jump to the end of the story. The end of the story is that, is that after Yosef gets to Mitzrayim and he becomes the viceroy of, of Paro, and there's, there's, there's a famine, and all his brothers now have to come to Mitzrayim. Okay, you hear the story and you think to yourself, "Oh wow, look what Yosef is doing. He's he's literally torturing his brothers. It's really not nice." I mean, in a way, I understand. Like, it's, he's human, but he's like torturing his brothers. No, he's not torturing his brothers. That's not what Yosef is doing. Yosef is giving them an opportunity to clean their uh, their avera. What they did with him, he's giving them an opportunity here in Olam Hazat. He's giving them another opportunity because Yosef's brother brothers the Shvatim. You know, for, for lack of a better term, it's not a good term. They, they messed up. Meaning, with Yosef, of course, they had their chesbonos. They thought he was a rodev. They thought he's chay of misa, and etc., etc. But what they did, they wasn't good. I mean, they, they ended up selling him. They wanted to kill. Him. It wasn't good what they did with, with with Yosef. It clearly wasn't good. Why was that brought about? It was brought about because of a certain sense of jealousy that they had. They had a certain jealousy of their brother. Now again, we're talking about Shifte Ka. We have to be careful. We don't understand what that jealousy means. I mean, we can say that if we were put under such Nisionos, we would have failed. But these are Shifte Ka and, and they, they had a certain sense of jealousy. They came up with an understanding that he's Chayav Misa, V'chulu, and I'm not going to get into the Chazal. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. But but it wasn't like they just wanted to, they weren't just jealous and they throw them into the pit. Oh, here comes my brother, the show off, with his dreams, and we're just gonna throw him into the pit, kill him, and then sell him. That's not what was going on. They actually they actually had a Bezdin. They they, they figured out he was a road Dave. They felt that he's 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 Chayv Misa for whatever reason it is. I'm not gonna get into it. But it didn't stem from a good place. It came from a certain sense of jealousy. That's where it came from. There was an outside influence. And Yosef gave them another chance. You hear me? At the end of the story with Yosef, when he was in Mitzrayim, and he's the viceroy, and he's in charge, and they're coming to him for food, he didn't just torture. It wasn't that he was torturing them. He was giving them an opportunity to make up for what they did originally. And you know how he did that? Let me tell you how he did that. He realized that he was the son of Rachel Imenu. Well, there was another son of Rachel Imenu. That was Benyamin. 
And that was Yosef's plan. He was to get Binyamin, bring Binyamin back to Mitzrayim, to Mitzrayim. And when Binyamin came to Mitzrayim, at the end, you know what he says to the Shvatim? He says to them, listen, listen. I caught you. You guys, you know, Binyamin was found with, with this with this goblet, the magical goblet, and it's all Binyamin, but you don't worry about it. I, I, and I'll be here with Binyamin. I'll stay here with Binyamin, and you guys could go home. In other words, I'm giving you a chance right now. Are you going to protect Binyamin? You didn't protect me as if to say, right? I'm the son of Rachel, so here I'm giving you the exact same, almost the exact same Nisayon, but it's not with me now, it's with Binyamin. You can let Binyamin go and just go back home, or you could do something. So he gave them the same Nisayon again, and this time they passed. So it wasn't that he was trying to torture them, he was trying to give them a Kapara. Now, again, it's hard for us to understand exactly, and this is something, something that we can do. We don't do these are talking about Shifte Ka. And he gave them the challenge. But guess what? He was able to give them the challenge. We don't get the same challenges. You know, you get challenge you and I get challenges in life on a daily basis. I could almost promise you today you had a challenge. I don't know what your challenge was, but if you're listening to me right now, you were challenged with something. Something I'm sure upset you or challenged you. And if it didn't happen yet, it's probably gonna happen later. You know, Okay, but end of the day, life is full of challenges. Olam has is full of challenges. And there's one basic theme. The theme is to be mavater. That's it. And if you haven't like clinched that yet, then you're missing the boat, especially in marriage. You can't be married unless you, you know that word. You're mavater. You're mavater. You let it go. Why? Because we want to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is what Hashem does. Ose chesed chinam. Hashem does chesed kindness, chinam, for no reason. That means you don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. But Hashem does it for us anyways. And that's what we ask Hashem. We say, Hashem, we know we don't deserve it. So, Hashem is giving us an opportunity to connect to Him in your marriage. In your marriage. So what? Your husband's annoying? Your wife's annoying? Even in the best marriages, you had an annoying day, she's being annoying, he's being annoying. Let it go. Let it go. Don't make an issue out of it. Just move on. Guess what? It's very interesting. You know what's interesting? Here's what's interesting. What's interesting is that we generally do not get an opportunity. Like, if we have a certain challenge, right? Shlomo Amelach says, uh, I hope I'm quoting it correctly. But basically, it's that something that's, something that's broken can't be fixed. If it's twisted and broken, you can't, if, if, you know, if it's broken, it can't be fixed. If it's missing, it's gone. It's gone. The ship left. You can't make it up. Generally, in a life and that, but it's interesting, I want to tell you, and those of you who are married know exactly what I'm talking about. In your marriage, whatever challenge you had before, chances are it's going to happen again. You hear me? It's going to happen again, and we have another chance. That's, in a certain sense, the beauty of marriage. It, it's the same challenges over and over and over again. Are we going to win or are we going to lose? I saw a big billboard yesterday. It says, don't crack under pressure. Don't crack under pressure. You're going to crack once. Well, you know, you can possibly make it up a little bit later. I'm not saying make up what happened, but again, work on our midos. Now, what I'm telling you right now, I know is not easy. I know it's not easy. I work with couples, and I see sometimes the pressures are more than others. And I, I should mention to you, it really is up to Kaddish Baruch Hu 
the intensity of the challenge is really up to Hashem. And there are all sorts of challenges in marriage. And I want to talk about some of those challenges. I want to talk about some of those challenges. I want to talk about the way we should deal with those challenges, our reaction to those challenges, and uh, our reaction to our spouse who is being challenged. First of all, I, I just want to mention, I just want to mention something very important, and that's like this. Remember Yaakov. Yaakov did not blame. He didn't blame Hashem. He didn't blame the bro- he could have blamed the brothers. I mean, think of it for a second. He, he could have blamed he could have done so much. He could have blamed the brothers. He could have blamed HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as if to say he could have, you know, with so much of his challenges, but he didn't blame. He accepted it. This is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. It's there from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Yaakov Avinu just accepted it. Why am I saying this? Because I'm telling you right now, there are issues that bother you about your spouse, even in the best of marriages. I'm not saying you don't let it go, and I'm not saying you don't love your wife and you don't love your husband. You have a great relationship. But once in a while, things bother you. What are those things? So I put them together. Um, I was Och, I should say. It wasn't me. Kashboku gave me this chus to come up with an acronym, Pirates. Pirates. So what's, what's upsetting you? Either the pet is the pet peeve upsetting you. Is that what it is? That you tell your husband again and again the small silly things. Just clean up after yourself in breakfast. Like why? Like why do you have to become the the, the maid? Why are you the shmata? Well, he just can't clean up after himself in breakfast. Or you know, for you know, it's a silly thing, but it's important for you that that your husband caps the toothpaste, or that your wife doesn't leave old food in the fridge. That makes some men crazy. Some you, oh, you open some refrigerators and you see food that's like you know, very, very old. Now you know it, it's interesting because sometimes there's food there that is just being saved. It's leftover food. There are some houses they just throw out the food completely. Well, maybe that's not smart. Maybe you could save the food. But then there are people who just leave the food there forever and ever. Some husbands don't really care about it. But I have husbands who come to me and tell me, I can't stand it. I open up the refrigerator and there's stuff there from like, I don't know, three, four weeks ago. It makes me crazy. Right? It doesn't have to be. It could be that. It could be, you know, it could be the way, just a, a pet peeve. Let's say your husband just, when he eats, he burps. He doesn't use, you know, forks and knives. He just uses his hands. He drinks directly from the bottle. It's the pet peeve that just bothers you. It just bothers you. You know, it just bothers you because that's pee for pet peeves. Or it's okay. Next, next, it could be an insult. Ah, it could be an insult. You insulted me in front of the children. You're constantly trying to control me. Here's a very big word I hear a lot. I feel my husband's. Tr- constantly trying to control me. I feel that like my wife is trying to control me. I hear this many, many times from couples. There's a key word. I would put that under the category of insult. Next, request. I ask you to start preparing. I, I, I ask you to, 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 to make a, you know, we have dairy all the time. I ask you for some meat meals. It's not happening. I ask you to go to the bank and you forgot. I ask you to get, here's another one. I ask you to get off the phone. When I come home, I come home I was home the whole day. I'm working very hard. I come home, and you're on the phone with your mother, with your sister, with your friend. Just get off the phone. Like, I ask you a million times. You don't get off. Or I ask you to go to the cleaners for me. Or I ask you to leave me money. I ask you to learn with the kids. I ask you so many times. I ask you again and again, and it's like you don't listen. It really, really bothers me. That's R. A, attention. You didn't greet me when I came home. We, ha- we don't spend quality time together. I'm talking to you, and as I'm talking to you, you walk away. It's like I'm talking to you. It's like, hello, where are you going? Or as I'm talking to you, you're on your phone. This phone drives me crazy. It, it, it makes me nuts. 
Every time I'm speaking to you, you're on the phone. I usually hear this more from women, honestly, than men. But it works both ways. It works both ways. But I have many women who complain to me. Their husband does not get off the phone. I don't know what he does on the phone. He's just like, he's not even on it. He's not even talking. He's on it. He's checking. He's checking his email. He's checking this. He's checking that. The smartphone. It's like it's like crazy. The truth of that, it's interesting. You know, we talk about smartphones and the whole thing with kids and teenagers. Smartphones are very dangerous. Forget about internet for a second. I'm not saying it's not an issue. Of course, it's an issue, but forget about internet. Just the fact that it keeps spouses so busy and they're so engaged with the phone instead of like being engaged with their wife or being engaged with their husband. I have it with women also. They're just so engaged with the phone. Get off the phone and focus on your spouse. You hear me? Get off the phone. Make yourself time because you know what's going to happen? Let me tell you what's going to happen. What's going to happen is your spouse will start feeling resentful. Your spouse will be in a certain sense, here's a word for you, Jealous, yeah, jealous. Like, who's more important, the phone or me? Like, hello, did you marry the phone? <laughs> like, like, seriously. But you know what? This is another area of attention that bothers people, bothers spouses about each other. T, Torah, you don't stop. Torah, uh, and this is, a, this is a complex issue, very complex issue. Let's start with the ladies. Sorry, ladies. But let's start ladies who are upset at their husbands. Their husband, they, they married a Ben Torah. Now he's not learning. They don't even know if he's going to Mincha anymore. He's davening by the Kaisel. Um, he, he, he doesn't dress the way they, that, 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 I don't know. He, he used to dress like a Ben Torah. And now he dresses like a bum. It works the other way around, where husbands are feeling the same thing about their wives. They're feeling they married a woman who dressed so tsunua, and now they're like questionably tsunua. Or they're feeling that their wife, you know, every time they talk to their wife, all they hear from her is Lush and Hara. It bothers them. Or they just feel like they don't even know if they can trust their, their wives anymore in the kitchen. It's like, what's going on? I, I see you're putting a, a milchaka this into a fleshika that, and a tablecloth. Like, hello, can I trust you? These are areas of contention. These are, by the way, these are very, very dangerous. Very, very dangerous because it's very tricky how to deal with that, especially with trigger issues. When I say trigger issues, I mean for the ladies, the way they dress. That's, that's I'm telling you, a trigger issue. When a man gets involved in, in the way of his woman's in his woman's tzinias, it, it 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 could be very very common a trigger issue, and when the woman gets involved in her husband's Torah, meaning how much he's learning or he's going to davening, going davening at time, that can also be a trigger issue. That's those are very dangerous. And E is expectations. We all have expectations of our spouse, and you know, we spoke about hierarchy. We spoke about roles in the past, and I'm not denying there aren't roles. And I'm also not denying the fact that we're crossing each other's boundaries. Women are working today and, uh, you know, stepping into their husband's role in a certain sense. In a certain sense, they have to. Otherwise, you can't make ends meet in many cases. But And, and men are, you know, stepping other boundaries. And when you're stepping into each other's boundaries, sometimes it has to work both ways. But these expectations that you have of your wife, I'll give you examples, gentlemen. You come back from shul on Shabbos and you're hungry. The rabbi spoke very long this time. And, and there wasn't, a, you thought there would be a Kiddush in the shul, but there wasn't a Kiddush. Whatever reason is, there wasn't a Kiddush. No, it's funny. Some shuls have like a Kiddush every single Shabbos. I want to tell you, I have cases where these Kiddushim could be a point of contention within relationships where, you know, 
first of all, the, I hate to say this, mostly with guys, they don't come back home right away from shul, they're schmoozing with their friends, a lot of them, Nebuchadnezzar, getting involved with kiddish clubs, drinking too much, coming back like a little bit tipsy. A lot of interesting things going on. But in any case, what I want to tell you is that expectation. So the husband comes home. The rabbi spoke. Rav spoke for a very long time. He's hungry. He doesn't eat before davening. And the meal's not ready on time. So he's got his hats on. He's all upset. Why isn't the meal ready on time? You're my wife. Why, why can't I just come and start eating? Like, I don't get this. Certain expectations we have of our wives whether it's the meal being ready on time, whether it's the house being clean, whether it's not leaving the milk at the, at the edge, 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 edge of the refrigerator so when I open it up, it falls down. It's so funny because most of these complaints, and I see this firsthand, most of these complaints, it, it's a, you know what it is? It's a deception. It's a deception because most times your wife is not doing this. She's really not. It could be the kids. It could be something else. It's our autopilot. Like, I can't believe you did that can't believe it. You're leaving. Every time I open the refrigerator and the food's like left in the corner and it's falling down or, or like you leave empty or here you have something where's the other way around where wives complain at, at, at their husbands. Can't believe you leave empty milk bottles in the refrigerator. How come you're leaving empty milk bottles or empty ketchup bottles in the refrigerator? It's like, just let it go. Just take it out. Take it out of the refrigerator. Put it in the garbage. Why make an issue? So, but we, but we have, we have expectations of our spouse, certain expectations that they should learn with the kids, provide us with money, etc., etc. And when we, these things don't happen, the expectations we get upset. For all these reasons I'm telling you, pet peeves, insults, requests, attention, Torah, expectations, this is a category, this whole, what I call pirates, this whole category is a category where I'm upset at you because of A, B, C, D, e, F, G, which all these things that I'm telling you right now. So I'm upset at you. So how do I deal with that? How do I deal with that upsetness? So that's category one. I, I, I can't spend too much time into this. Obviously, it's not a workshop. I can't spend too much time into this. But what I, kel- what I could tell you is like this. Number one, don't blame your spouse. I know this is, this is coming out very strong. Don't blame your spouse. I'm not saying not to feel blame. Because that's what you're going to feel initially. Let it go. Be Mavata, Rabbi Greenfield. We heard about this. I'm not telling you not to feel the blame. Initially, you're going to feel the blame. You're going to feel the blame. Why? Because you, I would have never done that. I, I would have never done what you're doing. I, if, if I was in charge of the refrigerator, I wouldn't leave leftover food there. If I was in charge of the house, I would have made sure it's clean. If I was the husband, I would make sure to leave my wife with money if she needed money and not, not schlep it on for who knows. I would have, if I was the husband, I would have made sure to fill out those health insurance forms a long time ago. So you know why you're really upset? Because I can't believe she's, she's doing that to me. She clearly doesn't care about me or he clearly doesn't care about me because I would have never done that to him. I would have never done that to her. So the interpretation is that what? He, does, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. And you know what's interesting, Rabbi Greenfield, they tell me all the time? You know what's interesting, Rabbi Greenfield? When it comes to other people, oh boy, he cares. It's just me. It's just me. But when it comes to other people, then it's different. Then it's different. And I tell these ladies, I say to them, ladies, I know it hurts. It's not easy. Of course it's not easy. And you really feel like you're, you're second fiddle. And it's a horrible, horrible feeling. But you know what? They're not part of the system. They're not part of the system. 
and therefore it's a completely different dichotomy. I don't want to get into it, but the point of the matter is, is that we're so upset because I would have never done that to him. I would have never done that to him. So you know what we have to remember? Let me tell you what we have to remember. We have to remember that he is not you and she is not you. You're upset at your wife. She, she's a whole different ball game. She's from Venus. You're from Mars. I, I, I'm not just like saying this as a nicety nice. Oh, yeah, he's Venus. It's a different world. Women and men are completely different. First of all, our brains are wired differently. We're talking about literally wired differently. Okay? That's number one. Number two, she grew up in a different home. She had a different friends. She had different understanding. Her values are different. Her understanding of what life is different. And you know something? It's not important for her. She wouldn't, she wouldn't care for herself. It doesn't bother her. She's not doing a lahachis. She's not doing a lahachis. That's number one. You might be missing some emotional or behavioral context. Next, she might, she, might have, she might not have known how much this would bother you. This is very pivotal, by the way, especially when these things happen. To remember to yourself, this what I'm telling you right now. I can almost guarantee you, your wife is bothering you because she did something. What did she do? What did she do? She, she played around with the thermostat in the house and now it's costing you more or she's leaving the door open or, or what? She's letting the kids into your office and now they're messing everything up. Whatever she's doing, I could almost promise you that if she would have known that this would bother you so much, she would have never done that. You think she's interested in fighting with you? Is that what you think you, your wife wants? Uh, just for a second. Do you think there's any woman in this world who wants to fight with her husband? That's what she wants. Wakes up in the morning, you know, I'm going to leave the door open. I, I'm going to let all the kids into his office and let them play with, the, with, with his computer or the papers or whatever it is. You know why? Because I want to get into a fight. I want to get into a fight today. That's what I want. I want to get into a fight. Ridiculous. That's what it is. You're being ridiculous. I'm sorry to be so strong because it's our mind playing tricks on us. That's what's going on. That's what's going on. So we have to always remember when these things happen that what? to remember the following very important rule and that is if your spouse would have known that this would have bothered you they would not have done that and even if you think that they would have do you think they want to get into a fight with you that's what they want they want to fight with you yeah let's have a fight and it's in front of the kids yet so the kids could see of course not of course not okay now here's the other piece I'm going to skip a little bit because we don't have time Here's the other piece. And that's hats. And that's hats. And that is hungry, angry, tired, or stressed. You know why you're so upset right now? You know why you're so upset? You don't even realize it. I'm telling you why you're so upset. And I'm talking, by the way, general healthy marriages. <laughs> by the way, when I say that, do you think to yourself, oh, I guess he's not talking to me because we don't have a healthy marriage. No, chas v'shalom. Believe you me, most of your marriages are healthy. Even though you know there are challenges here and there, I'm telling you, most of your marriages are healthy. They are healthy. It's normal. It's, all these challenges are very, very normal. General healthy marriages, when you really get upset at your spouse, like you're really, really like boiling mad, chances are you have your hats on. Chances are you're hungry, angry, tired, or stressed. That's, those are the chances. I, I'm telling you, chances are that you're hungry, angry, tired or stressed and that's what's getting to you it's not the fact that your uh, that your husband didn't leave you money because at the end of the day you were able to get money it's not the fact that uh, that your wife that your wife left the old food in the fridge because you know good and well that if everything else was fine and you didn't get that bill that you just got in the mail and you wouldn't have looked at that bill 
you know good and well, you wouldn't be so upset at your wife. Not that it's not MS that she doesn't, that she leaves old food in the fridge. She does leave old food in the fridge, but you would have been able to be mevater. You hear me? You would have been able to be mevater. But you know why you can't be mevater? Let me tell you why you can't be mevater. Because something else is bothering you. Something else is bothering you. And you don't even realize what it is. That's, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I, I was I was zocher to work with many couples, and I still do Baruch Hashem. But I'll tell you, most of the time, it's you're wearing your hats. Most of the time, it's you're hungry, you're angry, you're tired, or you're stressed. And that's category one of everything that I'm talking about right now. And then there's category two when you get upset. And you know what category two is? Is when my spouse is blaming me, when I feel attacked when I feel blamed, when I feel criticized by my spouse. Forget about the refrigerator at Greenfield. Forget about everything you said until now. You know what bothers me most? When he gets upset at me or when she gets upset at me and the way he does it and the way she does it and the way they just let loose. That's what makes me crazy. Okay, I'm looking at the clock here and right next to the clock here in the studio is a picture of the Beis HaMikdash, which is very inspiring and I want to say we have to shift. We have to shift. I, I, I was going to speak about hats today and, and I guess we'll talk about it next week because it's such an important area. It's such an important area. And, and, and my, those of you who listened to my intro today, we're going to have to delete it. Meaning, I gave an intro today and I said that we're going to talk about things that are very, very, very high level. I, I didn't even touch the surface of what I wanted to speak about today. I didn't. You're going to have to be tuned in next week, Mr. Shem. But I'm not leaving yet. I'm just letting you know one thing. And that is, these are very complicated areas. We're going to talk about it next week. But everything I said until now, this is all regular, regular marriage stuff. Regular, regular marriage stuff. I want to shift now. I want to shift to something else very important. Okay, like this, ladies and gentlemen. So happy you're listening today. Okay, here. Let me tell you why I'm so happy. Because this is what I want to talk about. I want, I want, to, I want to quote you something. Okay, let's see if I can find this here. Hold on. I want to quote you something here. Let's see if I can find it. Okay. Everything I said until now, if it's not dealt with correctly, could drive you absolutely insane. If you have a husband who's constantly complaining and bickering, or a wife that's not happy, and it's just like it could drive you insane. And you all get that feeling of like, you know what? I don't even know, like, maybe I should have married someone else, this wife of mine, this husband of mine. I, I want to quote you something here. This is, I'm not even telling you where this is from, but I, I want you to quote you something because the most important thing we said when it comes to marriage is commitment. I, I want you to quote you a Gemara, and I'm going to tell you in a second where the Gemara is from. Listen to this Gemara. Let me find this Gemara here. Okay. It says in Malachi, Kisana Shalach. When the husband hates, he sends away, which sounds like when he, when the husband hates his wife, he sends her away. He gives her a get. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says, Im sanasa shalach. If he hates his wife, he has the right to give her a get. Rabbi Yochanan Omer, Rabbi Yochanan says, Sanui hamishalayach. Anybody who gives his wife a get is hated by Hashem. Machlokes, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yochanan. Zak the Gemara, v'lai pligi. The Gemara says, this is an important Gemara for both men and women. V'lai pligi, there's no argument here. Habazivu grishon, habazivu kshani. This is talking about the first marriage and this is talking about the second marriage. 
Meaning, if we're talking about a first marriage, as terrible as it is, unless obviously the person tried everything under the sun, it was the, everything under the sun, the person will be hated by Akadosh Baruch Hu for giving his wife a get. Rabbi Lazar says, anybody who gives a divorce to his first wife, even the altar, the Mizbeach and the Beis HaMikdash sheds tears on this. As it says, and this is something that the Mizbeach sheds tears. Isha Rishona. I understand that sometimes divorces have to happen. I'm not going to say not. But boy, oh boy, what's going on out there. Boy, oh boy, do you get this? The Mizbeach cries. The Mizbeach cries. This is a Gemara. Now guess where this Gemara is? You might think this is Gemara, some arbitrary Gemara in, in Zvachim or something. No, you know what this Gemara is? And you know what inspired me to actually say this over? This Gemara is the last Gemara in Meseches Gitin. The Meseches that talks about all the rules and regulations of giving a get. This is how the Gemara ends, telling you how what a travesty it is when there's a get. That the Mizbeach cries. And that's how we finish Gittin and we say Hadron Allah Hamagarish. Hadron Allah Hamagarish. Why? To tell us, to remind us how horrible it is. But why the Mizbeach? Why is it that the Mizbeach cries? Why is it that the Torah cries or something else? Why is the Mizbeach? And it was explained to me beautifully. You know what it is about the Mizbeach? You know, what's special about the Mizbeach? What's special about the Mizbeach is the Mizbeach is a tool that we used to use to connect to Hashem. When we wanted to thank Hashem, we used to give Hashem a carbon toda. When we did something really horrible, we used to bring a carbon chatas. We used to take an expensive animal and bring it as a carbon chatas, showing Hashem, Hashem, we love you. Hashem, we, we really messed up. We really, really messed up. Can you give us another chance, please? We're going to give you a carbon, carbon chatas. We're so sorry. And there's so many carbonos, and the carbonos was our, like, connection. A connection. Today we can't really relate to it, what a carbon is. But think to yourself, for example, that you decide, it's like stuck in a certain way. You give a certain, you know, a lot of money. You give something big, Takash Baruch. That was like a form of connection. Because what happens? What happens is, is when you give something, when you give something to someone, what happens is, first of all, Takash Baruch, we connect to Takash Baruch. That's what's actually happening. I'm going to quote you here from, from, from Rev. Mendel Berlin. This is, this is, for those of you who, who did not sign up to his weekly newsletter, it's a great weekly newsletter. Uh, you can just text him at, oh boy, I think it's Mendel, torahsweets at gmail.com or Mendel Berlin. Let's see here what we got here. I think it's Mendel Berlin at gmail.com. Let's see here. Yeah. Or torahsweets at gmail.com. Now, I, I, I want to just read this to you, okay? This is very interesting. Here's what happened. Let me see here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Here. Here. Okay. Uh, what happens when we give... Okay, I'm going to paraphrase. We don't have time. Basically, it's saying that when you give a gift to someone, 
automatically the person feels a connection to you because you're giving him or her something. Now they feel like they owe to you and it brings the connection. That's why I'm Purim, we, the, the whole idea of giving gifts, Mishlach Manos. We give gifts to each other. It's very important to give gifts to each other because that connects us as a nation. When you give, you feel you want to give back. This is very important. Now, in a marriage, of course, this is pivotal. Not necessarily gift of giving actually something, giving appreciation, attention, affection, a good word, a compliment. When you get a compliment, you feel good. Why? Number one, you feel good about yourself. Number two, you want you feel you want to give back. And that creates a healthy loop. That's what it creates. It creates a healthy loop. So I, I, I'm bringing this topic. Why am I bringing this topic? I'm bringing this topic because here we are and we're running out of time. Well, we're really running out of time. And I want to tell you like this. And that is Hanukkah's coming up. Hanukkah's coming up. And I know, not that you have to do this, but many of us give gifts on Hanukkah. Be very careful with those gifts. Meaning, number one, number one, if you're going to give a gift to someone on Hanukkah, don't give them a gift that you would want to get. Give them a gift that they would want to get. That's what a real gift is. Real gift is, is, comes from the Lashon of Ahava. Have. I'm giving you what you want, not what I want. A lot of people give what they would want. But no, it's important to give what you would want. Number two, if you're giving gifts on Hanukkah, I'm not saying it's us or Mutter. It's a nice thing. To, it's always a nice thing to give a, a gift. Eh, Hanukkah guilt. But let's see, it's become very like popular to give gifts. If you're going to give a gift on Hanukkah, don't give a gift based on something that someone wanted to do. If your wife says to you like, oh, you know, I'd love to lose weight. You're going to buy her a scale? It's very rude. If your husband says to you, oh, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to learn a certain Masechta and I'm looking to look and learn a Masechta. So you're going to buy him a Gemara. It's like, you what's going to do? Buy me a Gemara? I want to buy it myself. So that's another dangerous thing as far as gift giving. But third of all, another very important thing as far as gift giving, and this is I find with spouses, is generally women for their husbands, not husbands for their wives, where women many times tell, oh, it's Hanukkah. I want to buy my husband a gift, but... I don't know what he wants. I can never, I can never figure out what my husband wants. First of all, gentlemen, if, if, if you know, just tell your wife, forget the gift. It's fine. But if she has to give you the gift, sometimes it's actually helpful to tell your wife what would make you happy. This would make her. Why have her guess? Same thing with ladies. If your husband's gonna go buy you a gift anyways, <clears throat> you can. You could say to him, what would make you happy? Of course, make sure it's in the financial scale that he can afford. So, you know, <clears throat> whether it's earrings or whether it's a rose, you know, obviously you have to make sure you don't ask him for things that he can't afford. But make it easy for your spouse that your spouse knows what it is. Gentlemen who are giving gifts to their wives, don't just give a gift. I'm telling you, practically every wife out there will like a card. As important as the gift is, what's more important in a certain sense is what you is what you're saying with the gift. Obviously, you're saying to her that you care about her and you love her. Write a card. Write a card. I know it's hard for you to write, gentlemen. Most men, it's hard for them to express their feelings on paper. Normal. It's a normal man thing. But you know what? Write something. Write something nice. Get a card this Hanukkah. I'm telling you, that card, in a certain sense, will be cherished more than the gift. Most times. Seriously, that card is going to be cherished more than the gifts. And we, we, we have to understand these gifts, let's not get over the top give extravagant gifts. These extravagant gifts, you think you're going to buy your wife? You think you're going to buy her a fur coat and that's it, now she's good to go? It doesn't work like that. Marriage is an investment on a daily basis where you have to fill your wife's battery. It's a daily thing. You can't just give her a gift and it's over. So be careful. You think you're going to go over the top, going to buy her a brand new car and then she'll be fine? Absolutely not. I'm telling you. I work with very wealthy people. I'm telling you, it doesn't work like that. You have to keep on investing. And finally, when you get the gift... Whatever gift it is, 
ladies, gentlemen, I'm asking you, don't, you know, don't react in a way where it's like, oh, thank you. This is really not what I wanted. It's the thought that counts. They spent time. They were looking for it. Even if they don't have a gift receipt, why don't you focus not on the actual item, focus on your husband or your wife that they spend time to look for it, to write you a card, to be there for you, because that's the meaning of the gift. So maybe be mavater a little bit and say, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. In any case, for those of you who are getting gifts, for those of you who are not getting gifts, have an amazing, uplifting, Hanukkah is about Torah Shabbat Peh. Talk about it next week. Uplifting, inspiring Hanukkah. We will continue next week in Mitzvah Shem on the issue of hats. Thank you for listening and have an amazing, amazing week.